0: Hi, I'm Adam Burton, the pastor at Central Baptist Church. Thank you for checking out this sermon. I pray that it encourages you and helps you to grow closer to Jesus. While as grateful as I am for you, please don't allow this message to keep you from connecting with a local church. If you're in our area, we would love for you to check us out at Central Baptist Church. God bless. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to the Book of Colossians. Colossians, we're going to be at the end of Chapter One, looking at the beginning of Chapter Two. Is there something that you love doing so much that you would do it for free? Maybe you might say, you know what, I would be a, a, a professional fisherman. You know, you don't have to, to, to pay me, but just the joy of going out on the boat fishing and bringing in that big catch. Or maybe a musician, just to be able to, to play on a big stage with a guitar and sing. Maybe it's you know, being a, a baseball scout, getting to travel to big league ballparks all around the country, getting to, to scope out some of the best talent all around. Or maybe even a pizza taste tester getting to go to all the great pizzerias around to New York to Chicago to Italy and uh, you know would give your critique of what might be the the best pizza, or you can substitute your favorite food in there as well. but what is it that makes a a job so fulfilling that really money doesn't matter to you? What is it that that? That, that gives you that 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 drive, that passion to pursue something, and and honestly, you really don't look at those dollar signs that may uh, precede, or how many commas are in a a salary. I was doing some research, and I came across the most fulfilling occupations by the accounting company, uh, uh, software company, Intuit, and, and they did a, a a survey, and they and they looked to to see what are the ten most fulfilling. Careers And here they are. Number one is a firefighter. Number two is a dentist. Number three, a physician. Four, a surgeon. Number five is, hey, there we go, is the clergy. Number six is a physical therapist. Number seven, teacher. Number eight, mechanical engineer. Number nine, a veterinarian. And number ten, is a police officer. Now on this list, 10, and you can look at some of those careers and you might think, well, those are some pretty um, well-off careers as far as income-wise would go. In fact, yes, three of the 10, based on the median income earned every year, make over $100,000 a year. And only two on that list make less than as far as the median income goes. Can you take a guess as to what those two careers would be? They are teacher and the clergy. In fact, the median income teacher nationwide per year is $47,500. And the median clergy income is $41,000. You know, the... Intuit says this about the clergy as to what it brings fulfillment to them. It says, By providing spiritual and moral guidance for members of their congregation, clergy are religious leaders who can help their peers live their lives with their faith in mind. They lead worship services and other religious programs meant to support people through their personal troubles. Clergy can find their sense of purpose in seeing their community live positive lives incorporating the lessons and teachings brought to them with the hopes of bettering their own relationships and lifestyles. Now, while I believe this is true, I, I, I don't know that if just helping other people to have a more positive life is what really gives a, a clergy member, a minister the A sense of purpose so much so that it would be the number fifth most fulfilling job, especially considering that that a clergyman makes less than half of most of the other top ten most fulfilling positions. Surely, being a minister is more fulfilling than the salary or, or being a positive influence on a person's life. Well, read with me this morning, book of Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 29 through chapter 2, verse 5. We're going to see what Paul has to say about the fulfilling nature of of a, a clergy person. We read these words. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me, and who are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ Jesus. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. Oh, your word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. And Lord, I pray that my preaching, preaching of your word, that you would light our paths to righteousness today. God, I pray that if there's anyone that is here today that has not seen the light of your salvation, God, would you reveal to them how dark life is without you. God, would you draw them to the light of saving faith through the work of your Son, Jesus Christ? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we examine this passage in the book of Colossians this morning, uh, uh, we're going to see the, the title of this message is Do Not Be Deceived. And, and we're going to see as Paul is Apart from the church in Colossae, and we see he introduces the church in Laodicea, we're going to see the starting out the a pastor's struggle. Pastor's struggle. It, you know, if there's anybody that, that knows the joys and the sorrows of pastoring the church, it would be the Apostle Paul. Right? He was actually one that, that started out persecuting the clergy. And then he surrenders to Jesus when he was blinded on that Damascus road. And he devotes his life to serving the Lord and the church. You know, it's Paul that went from a status of privilege as a Pharisee to the status of ridicule as an apostle. The Pharisees were, uh, or he went from being a Pharisee of the Pharisees to an apostle of the Gentiles. The Pharisees were the elite class, whereas the Gentiles were seen as infidels. You know, now, today, we we consider Paul as a a hero of the faith. But he wasn't seen as so by the vast majority of the world in the first century. The Bible tells us that as a Pharisee, Paul oversaw the execution of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. He knew how seriously the Jerusalem church took matters at protecting their historic faith from the influence of Christianity. Murder was used as a means to ensure the purity of the Christian or the, sorry, of the Jewish faith. But Paul also knew that the ruthless nature that the Romans used in order to protect their empire. Their way of maintaining peace wasn't through love and compassion. No, it was through oppression. Here Paul is writing these very words while he is under house arrest. And he's writing to a church, to a people that he never met. Look at the language that Paul uses in in verse 29. He says, for this I pray toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Paul toils. He struggles. Why is that? Well, I think there's two reasons we see in this verse. One, that, that God would work powerfully through him. Now, none of us are apostles. In fact, most of you probably won't become pastors. But every one of us should desire that God would move powerfully through us. You know, my son Silas is three, and that makes our house full of fun. But you know, as a a three-year-old boy, he loves superheroes. It's not uncommon to see him walk out of his room first thing in the morning wearing a, a mask and a cape. Sometimes he's Spider-Man. Sometimes he's Batman. and Sometimes he just makes up his own superhero. <laughs> but regardless of which superhero he is, he's always the good guy who's ready to go and to fight the bad guys. But pastors, ministers, clergymen, they don't go around wearing masks and capes. But we have a power that is greater than that of Spider-Man, Batman, or Captain America. We have the Holy Ghost power. But this isn't just limited to, to clergymen. Now look at what Paul says to the Thessalonians here. He says this, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has what He has chosen you. How good does it feel to be Chosen by somebody. Whether that's us nervously waiting to to hear back on a a job that you applied for or, or waiting for that college acceptance letter in the mail or even in PE class waiting to get picked on that kickball team. You see, we want to be chosen. And we're devastated when we're passed over for somebody else. But know this. That if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Christ, you have been chosen. Not by a corporate manager or college acceptance board or the high school jock. You have been chosen by the very God of the universe and you hit the jackpot that's worth infinitely more than any Powerball ticket can pay out well look what comes with being chosen by God Paul continues on in 1 Thessalonians he says because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in what in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction oh you know what kind of men we were proved to be among you for your sake. See, you received the gospel in word, in power, and in the Holy Spirit. But the question that all of us needs to to seek and to answer for ourselves is, are you using your God-given superpowers? Are you using those powers Colossians chapter, or secondly, the second reason here is that Paul struggles for the church. Look here at Colossians chapter two, verse one. Paul says this, he says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. You know, some of you have quite a long drive to, to get to, to work each day. Now some people will drive an hour plus each way in order to get, you leave when it's dark and you get home when it's dark at night. Miles, that's not the case for me. No, I mean it is quite a, a distance. I don't have a car to drive to work. I, I go about hundred feet from one end of the parking lot to the other. <laughs> it's not a very long walk. But I do have to tell you that with each step I take, I feel the burden more and more. Sometimes before I'll come in in the morning and go into my office, I'll come in here into the sanctuary. The lights are off. You can kind of see the sun glimmer, glistering in through the stained glass windows and Sometimes I'll walk up and down the aisles or I'll come and stand here on on the stage and and I I picture the sanctuary with you here. I I picture your face. And and I see you, those that are here today. I also see those faces that aren't here. I feel the pain of those that are hurting physical hurt spiritual hurt those that that you know that aren't walking the faith that they should be and and those that are themselves burdened by the struggles of life know that the burden is heavy but the power of God is greater than any burden that we have. Some days, look, following Jesus, doing ministry is a struggle. <laughs> if that's you, if that's me, then we are, we're in good company for Paul himself struggled. But i tell you, for me, usually it's in those days is, is when I forgot to walk out of the house with my with my Holy Ghost super key row cape on. You know, and it's one thing for us to, to, to have a burden for our family, for our friends, for our church. But, but look at with Paul. Right? He is burdened for Christians that he has never met. And we're to do the same thing. That's why next week, we're gonna kick off uh, the Lottie Moon week of prayer emphasis. All right, we do this. Because we value global missions. We pray for our missionaries every week. We we study about them. We read about the work that they are doing. and, And we give sacrificially. Because we have a burden for the lost. We have a burden for the people in Turkmenistan for people that we can't even pronounce their names. We don't understand their language or even like their food. But we have a burden for them because we have a burden for the lost and we want to see people from all nations, every tribe and tongue come to Christ. Sometimes I wonder, as we look at the state of the church, and especially in America in the West, is have we lost our evangelistic zeal? Because maybe we've lost that burden for the lost. With so much of our lives today are around the around being comfortable. We. Have air conditioning in the summer to keep us cool. We have heat in the winter to to keep us to keep us warm. We, you know what we 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 have big Thanksgiving meals and, you know what, when we eat too much, we go in and we put our stretching pants on so that we're comfortable. But yeah, we can go back for a third course. And look, I'm not saying that we should go back to the Stone Ages. That we should try to. You know, quit removing the conveniences of life. No, I'm grateful for those inventions. No, that really have have taken society even further. But but may our desire to be comfortable, to remove burdens from our life, not allow us to, to remove the burden that we have for the lost. You know, it's sometimes when we we have a a, a pain or a, a you know at a just a, a a nagging feeling we we can pop an ibuprofen or a, a, a tylenol to, to to remove the pain or sometimes it does it just kind of dulls it and while I think that's great for medicine but sometimes it can mask other problems that you need to know about our bodies hurt when it hurts it, it it tells you that something's not right, and you need to get things checked out. I pray that we would never allow the hurt of seeing lost people it allows us to numb our senses, so that we don't feel uncomfortable. So we see a pastor's struggle. Second thing we see here in this passage is a pastor's calling. Look with me here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 through 5. It says that, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So that, or yeah, hidden all the wisdom and knowledge. Look what Paul is praying for on behalf of the Colossians. He's praying that their hearts may be encouraged, that they are knit together in love. They are united in order to reach all the riches, an understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery. See, these things are hidden, all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. Paul also tells us in, in Ephesians chapter three, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in what? In love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. You know, we look back on that list and we saw kind of the, the two, uh, those two uh, least paying, most fulfilling jobs of, of clergy and teacher. And there's a lot of things that are kind of, you know, closely associated with that, in, in fact, when I went to India on my visa, I did not put down that I was a, a pastor. For had I done that, I would have been denied entry into the country. And so I'm looking at the different options, and I put teacher down. I don't believe that I was lying or even really skirting the truth, because that's one of the roles of a clergyman is to to teach. And if you think back to your own teaching or teaching. Uh, Life in school with the teachers that you had. The best teachers that I found were the ones that could take complex uh, subjects and make them simple. They were able to take the 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 the, the, the difficult, and they were able to to bring it down to where you could understand it. But also, they're they're the ones that that grew you, that that really that that pulled you out of of kind of remedial to 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 make the the best of yourself. I believe that's what what Paul is speaking out here of this mystery of Christ in verse chapter 1 verse 28 he says said this he said we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ so we looked at last week the mystery of Christ was hidden from generation to generation all throughout the Old Testament until it was revealed through the birth of Jesus Christ on that Christmas morning. The mystery has been solved. The problem of our our sin and the death and eternal state has been revealed to us. We, We have the remedy for our problem. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is through this gospel that we are grounded in love and that we might be presented as mature in Christ. Maturity is not just head knowledge for some of the most immature people have a lot of knowledge up there. But maturity It's how we live out that knowledge and what we do with what we have been given. Paul tells, or the author of Hebrews says this. He says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Now look, we never move beyond the gospel. We never move beyond the riches that we find in Scripture. But as we mature in our faith, the Bible just it's like it just unlocks more and more of the richness, of the goodness, of the of the beauty of that gospel. But it also, if we're reading it correctly, if we're studying it correctly, will give us a burden. The burden to follow Christ more today than we did yesterday. A burden to, to live in righteousness more tomorrow than we did today. And that burden to seek and to save the lost. You know, I find interesting in this passage is that Paul is speaking of the threat to the church, he is warning. He's warning the the Colossians, but the threat that he is speaking is not one of from outside of the church. Now, if anyone would understand that, it would be Paul, right? I mean, he is in prison, writing to these to these Christians. He knows what the Romans, what the Jews can do to to a follower of Christ. So he says, no, you need to be on guard so that you will not be deceived yourselves. As we continue to unpack through this book of Colossians, we're going to dig more into, into the heresy that is infiltrated into the church. This idea of that, you know, is that you need more than the, the gospel. You need to, you know, it's, you need to have these deeper things. And no, that's not what he's, Paul says, we need to watch out. The threat to the church is not external. It is within the church. So that's why we must always be grounded in the truth of God's word. In the Bible, it is our sole source for for God's instruction. And when we read it, when we study, when we preach it, when we are faithful to it, oh, we will receive power. Not from just black words on a white page, but from the Holy Spirit. And with that power comes a burden, comes a responsibility, comes this this, uh, yearning, this unction to to live the life that God has called you to live. When we do that, when we hold each other accountable, prayer is that we be, be presented perfect in Christ, not because we're that good ourselves, but because we will have received the blessing of Christ and his favor on our church, on our lives. None of this would make any sense. And in fact, one word that you did not see in the definition of a clergyman, according to Intuit, has anything to do with God, with Jesus? We talked about faith, but as we know, unless we're clear about the faith, faith is only as good as the object of that faith. You see, it's only through the blood of Jesus that we have power. <laughs> oh, there is power in the blood. And that only comes through the death of Jesus Christ. It's a message that seems simple, but is very profound. It's one that causes us to squirmish a little bit, but without the sacrifice, there is no forgiveness of sins. And it is the message that we are to proclaim. There is a fountain filled with blood it's drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners, we are plunged beneath that. flood. Oh, may we lose all our guilty stains! Thank you for listening to this message. To listen to other messages and to learn more about Central Baptist Church, visit our website at cbcmaysville.com.